0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with BYTE. This week on the Chicago Bears review. With the bye week behind them, our beloved now take on the final 10 games of the year, starting with a visit from the NFC North rival Minnesota Vikings at Soldier Field on Sunday. Can the Bears kick off the second half in style, or will the Vikings ruin the party? Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Norseman joins us on the Week 8 Preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Now with the bye week over, we finally get to come back and do a preview episode as the Bears are back in action on Sunday against the Vikings. What's going on, everybody? Larry D back for the week eight preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review, and, uh, you know, it's it's good to be back in the, in the swing of things. It was only a week, and, uh, you know, it, it's i was I was busy on Sunday. I really didn't watch much football. Uh, my mother came in from town into town from Chicago uh, to hang out for the weekend and you know kind of get away from the grind for a few days and She kept me pretty busy uh throughout the entire weekend so uh, it was a perfect weekend for her to come in town because we didn't have to interrupt the weekend to watch the Bears game or anything like that so perfect weekend was perfectly distracted from all the football uh, that was going on this week but our beloved back on the field this Sunday against the Vikings at home in Soldier Field, where the Bears have not lost to the Vikings since Adrian Peterson had that insane game against us his rookie year in 2007. So it's a uh, uh, you know seven in a row the Bears have won uh, so far, looking to make it eight and uh, put a dent in that uh, four and two record that the Vikings have, and we'll have. Uh, Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman of SB Nation, the Vikings page. Uh, we'll have him on a little bit later on in the show. I spoke with him last night, or if you're Chris, yesterday morning. Uh, however, you want to classify it. It was uh, 11 o'clock at night. There's a he's over in Germany. If you got anyone who remembers when we spoke to Chris uh, over the summer uh, for the opponent preview shows, we had him on, and uh, the I recorded that that uh, show in the afternoon. And uh, it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon here in the States. It was about 8 or so. I don't know if they, if they observe Daylight Savings out in, in Germany because I believe it was a seven-hour time difference when we spoke to him over the summer. It was only 6 uh, last night. So, uh, you know, I spoke to him at 11 o'clock last night uh, here in, in, uh, in the Quad City area in, in Illinois. And um, he is in Germany where it was 5 a.m., it was 5 a.m. So he got up at 5 o'clock in the morning uh, to do this uh, with us. So uh, much appreciated to, uh, to Chris uh, for, for taking the time. He, he gets up at – he has to work at 7, so he probably would have been up anyway, or so he says. You'll hear him say it. But, you know, still to be up and, and doing this at 5 in the morning was uh, pretty awesome of him to to do that. So just want to thank him again. Uh, for doing that so our discussion about the bears and the vikings and how the vikings have been doing so far this year uh, a little bit later on uh, in in the show so you know the vikings Coming into this season, that, uh, you know, the sexy pick, uh, if you will, going into the, into the year, uh, that team that everyone's kind of picking, you know, to be that wild card team uh, to get into the playoffs, to be that team that finishes second behind Green Bay, you know, the, the normal drop off from, from Detroit since they're so inconsistent from year to year. You know, they have, it's been a very long time, probably since the 90s at some point, uh, I think 93, 94, 94, 95. Since the Lions have done back-to-back uh, playoff seasons, and you know, obviously with a with a one-in-six record now because they lost this past weekend, uh, one-in-six record for the Lions. Obviously, they're well on their way to not making it back to the playoffs again. Um, you know the Bears being in that transition year, not really having you know as much talent as as some experts would have liked to try to make them that that surprise pick. Uh, the Vikings kind of became that team uh, by default, or at least default as far as finishing second in the division. Uh, you know year two under Mike Zimmer, year two with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, big expectations uh, for them, and six games into the season. Uh, they are four and two, and you know they trail the uh, Packers uh, in the division, but they've yet to play each other yet. So those two back matchups between the Packers and the Vikings have uh, still yet to come uh, this year. So some questions as far as uh, whether the Vikings are going to be able to make a case for the NFC North uh, in a head-to-head battles with the Packers; uh, those questions are yet to be answered. But they got to get through our beloved Chicago Bears this Sunday in a stadium that they haven't won in since 2007. So, you know, like it or not, folks, at 2-4, and four, uh, you know, even though the Vikings are the better team on paper, this is a very winnable game. This absolutely is a winnable game uh, for the Bears. The uh, The Vikings are good, but they're not infallible. They're not indestructible. They've been beaten before, and they can be beaten again. I mean, hell, if they can lose to the 49ers uh, like they did week one, uh, we can beat them. <laughs> we can definitely do it. Uh, the Bears, um, you know, the Vikings uh, have both have lost, their, have lost both their games on the road at San Francisco, at Denver, uh, the more of uh, – you know, valid loss, if you will, a tough battle that they had with Denver, a twenty-three to twenty game uh, in that one. But as you hear Chris mention, uh, you know, a little bit later on, we were talking, um, Bridgewater was sacked seven times in that game, and that's pretty much what won the game for Denver. Was the constant pressure, was getting after. Um, Teddy Bridgewater from time to time or you know throughout the game seven sacks in that football game and uh you know Pernell McPhee uh he's been a beast for so far if he can really have you know a good game uh against the um the the Vikings and I think that they're ripe for the picking especially on that right side of the offensive line where Phil Lowhold used to be uh he got hurt with an Achilles injury in the preseason and they've got their fourth round rookie draft pick T.J. Clemens uh, out there on the right side, he could be ripe for the picking uh, against a uh, you know a, a relentless pass rusher uh, like McPhee. so that could be a good matchup uh, for the bears on that side of the football. Adrian Peterson has been back this year, who's had flashes of, you know, the old school AP that was, you know running like a maniac and such. But like Matt Forte, kind of getting up there uh, in years. And the last couple of weeks, um, has been bottled up by the uh, by his opponents uh, against the uh, the Lions last week and the week before uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. He has not uh, not done much on the ground in the last couple of weeks. So it uh, is definitely possible that if the Bears can return to the form that they had against Oakland and Kansas City where they were solid, uh, uh, you know, against the run, they were staunch in, in, in pass rush and getting after the quarterback, or even in, in Seattle game, uh, you know, the way they were getting after Russell Wilson with the four sacks in that game, if we can get something like that going on defense and then the offense being healthy again, I mean, we've got some questions to answer, uh, on offense and we'll just dive right into uh, what I find to be the most promising thing uh, going into this week is that uh, going into the Detroit game we had 14 14 names on the injury list going into that Detroit game coming into this Vikings game as of Thursday there are seven names on the list just seven and um, looking at the injury list um, we might be shaking up the offensive line again. Jermon um, Bush, uh, Bushrod has been uh, limited in practice on Wednesday and Thursday with that shoulder injury. He's cleared the concussion protocol, so he's good to go as far as that is concerned. But he's been limited with that shoulder injury. That's been bugging him. Um, Jaronis Grassu. Who started the last uh, couple of games at center for us has, uh, I guess, a lingering neck injury. I'm, I'm not sure if that happened in Detroit or what the case may be there, but he was limited on Wednesday. Did not practice today, so maybe we're looking back at uh, Slauson sliding over to center again, uh, as they did in the, uh, the 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 better portion of the uh, Raider game, uh, week number four, and um, who would play in uh, Slauson's spot? Well. Patrick Omeme, who who subbed in for him uh, in that game once Lawson moved to the inside, uh, has been limited with the ankle injury that's been bugging him. That took him that you know forced him to miss the Kansas City game, uh, the Kansas City and Detroit games. Um, you know he is uh, he's practicing at least as is antro Rolle, uh, who's been limited with the ankle injury. Um, not a lot of uh, word on whether or not they are going to be playing, but they at least they're practicing. Uh, They weren't practicing before. Uh, One person who isn't practicing has been uh, Shea McClellan, uh, still nursing the injury, did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday this week. And Matt Slauson, also with a knee-slash-shoulder injury listed on the injury report, has been limited on Wednesday and Thursday. So we've got some questions as to who is going to be taking the field, uh, blocking for Cutler and Forte uh, and company. But I'll tell you whose name is not on this list. Two people in particular, Eddie Royal, Alshon Jeffrey, healthy, and also Marquise Wilson, our top three receivers not on the injury list. So that bye week that mentally, you heard me guys, hear me say it, and we mentioned it when we had our talk with Jeff Dickerson, mentally probably not the best time for the team to have a week off, but physically couldn't imagine a better time with the way that this team uh, was banged up. You know, we got to – We got to skip a week of not having Antro roll out on the field. We still might be a game or so away from having roll back out on the field, but at least he's practicing. Uh, Again, same thing with Patrick Omeime and, you know, maybe possibly needing him uh, this coming Sunday. So hopefully uh, some of these injuries that are limiting the practice schedule is, uh, you know, just something that the the Bears are being cautious with so as to uh, get these guys as close to 100 percent as possible going into the game uh, on Sunday. On the Viking side of things, uh, the most interesting thing here is uh, Adrian Peterson hasn't practiced yet this week. Listed with a hip slash finger slash ankle, uh, so he's dealing with a couple of uh, little nagging injuries. Uh, Sharif Floyd, the former first-round pick at defensive tackle, has not practiced with knee and ankle injuries uh, so far uh, this week. Jarius Wright, the wide receiver, has been uh, was n- did not practice Wednesday with concussion, uh, but I guess he was cleared because he practiced full go uh, on Thursday. So, you know, those are those are the some of the interesting uh, injuries. Uh, on the uh, on the Vikings side, so Peterson a little banged up. I'm sure he'll play on Sunday, but how effective will he be if he has if you know if he's dealing with an ankle injury that's kind of been uh, nagging him? But you know, like I said on our injury report, no Alshon Jeffrey, no Marquise Wilson, no Eddie Royal. We seem to be good to go. Finally, having a healthy trio of receivers going into this game uh, on on Sunday against the Vikings. You know, I I think we had all three for Detroit, but were they healthy against Detroit? You know, this might actually be the first time all year, all year that our wide receivers are healthy and playing, you know, because I think even though Jeffrey played against Green Bay, he was still banged up from the hamstring injury or the calf injury that kept him out in the preseason uh, and and everything else. So, I mean, everybody, uh, Marquise Wilson missed half the preseason with an injury. Same thing with Eddie Royal. They were all banged up. But here we are going into the eighth, seventh game of the season, week number eight for the Bears. We're finally with our first game that we've got three healthy starting wide receivers out there, So guys like Bellamy and, and Meredith and, and um, Mariani and company uh, can come off the bench and, you know, help us out when we want to spread things out. But we've got our top three guys out there when we're running our regular sets uh, and such. So I'm looking forward to seeing what this group can do when it's healthy. Hopefully the offensive line will be uh, as close to healthy as, as the rest of the offensive unit uh, appears to be. So. Uh, Just a couple of uh, other little notes that I want to get to before we move on to our talk uh, with Chris is um, trade deadline is coming up and there have been a lot of talk, a lot of rumors about, you know, Ryan Pace and John Fox and company. still looking forward to 2016 uh, and beyond and and entertaining the idea of of possibly trading away some of our biggest assets some of the te- people that are helping the team maintain so far you know that they're helping uh improve uh and so on and uh you know the the rumors are interesting i mean there are rumors that we've kind of been hearing for a while um possible uh trade out there uh, you know, Matt Forte is the biggest name that that people are talking about. Would the Bears trade away uh, Forte? Uh, he's he's uh, if he if he isn't 30, he's turning 30 soon. He's in the final year of his contract. Granted, he's as productive now as he's ever been, but that that wall that running backs tend to hit when they turn 30 uh is coming. He's running dead long right into it and uh you know how many more real productive years does Matt Forte have and you know might the bears be able to to bait an, a a nice draft choice out of a contender, say a team like a uh, a Denver or a um I think Dallas uh who, you know, who is going to is, is slowly but surely kind of getting back to full strength as far as you know, Romo's going to be coming back as Bryant is practicing now, and nobody is running away with the NFC East. So the Cowboys, even though they've been suffering the last few weeks without Romo and, and Bryant and such, if they got a Matt Forte in there, they could probably hold things at bay till Romo comes back and make a run at this thing uh, in the second half. Uh, of the season, and Forte uh, would be a nice addition to the Cowboys. Same thing for the uh, for the Broncos. You know, Peyton Manning had some of his best years in Indianapolis when he had you know Edger and James in the backfield. You know, who did like to catch passes uh, out of the backfield, and you know, obviously was also a very stout uh, running back as well. You know, Peyton Manning and Matt Forte uh, in a Denver Bronco uh, uniform, that would be a uh, formidable uh, combination there because Forte can do a lot of things. So, you know, interesting trades, and I've been hearing, you know, possibly maybe getting a third rounder uh, for Forte, which I guess is high currency in the NFL. doesn't sound like much to me, uh, to be honest with you. I would think we just try to get at least a, you know, maybe reach for a second second rounder but settle for a third kind of thing it was uh you know they were saying like reach for a third and settle for a fourth and i just think fourth round pick is a little low for forte but that's just me um the other uh discussion was possibly uh martellus bennett going to the atlanta falcons who are def- desperately in need of a tight end especially since uh tony gonzalez retired a year or two ago and uh You know, interesting to see if if the Bears would entertain something like that. I would hope not uh, as much of a a menace as uh, Bennett can be, uh, you know, off the field, on the field. He is one of the better tight ends in the league and the only middle-of-the-field passing threat that the Bears have. I would hate for them to let him go. I don't want to see that trade happen at all. And I saw a crazy one where uh, the Bears would trade Jay Cutler to the houston texans um you know and basically it would be beneficial to the texans because they've never had a quarterback like ever i mean even at on on matt Schaub's best day when he was down there they were still you know pretty mediocre uh quarterback you get sent you send Jay cutler down there now they've solidified the position especially from where it was to, you know to bring it to a jake cutler and he's got a you know uh Uh, Hopkins the receiver down there to throw the football to uh, you know and kind of mix things up uh, for them Uh, you know definitely have a a more dynamic arm and more talent at the quarterback position who also in the same position as the kind of like the Cowboys no one is running away with the AFC South this year it is the worst division in football and even at this point with the Texans at uh, I think two and five is where Houston is Right now they're only like a game and a half behind the Colts uh, at the moment who are in first place at like 4-3 and three or 3-3 three and three or whatever they might be uh, at this point. No one in that division is running away with it yet. There's still plenty of time left in the season. I guess on paper it makes sense, but f- for the Bears to trade away Cutler for a draft pick um, – You know, and then hand the reins over to Jimmy (laughs) Clausen. It could be 2014 all over again, as far as like, I cannot wait for this season to be over with if that were to happen. So, as nutty a trade as that sounds, I hope it does not happen Uh, (laughs) I don't I don't want to see that happen the Bears cannot trade Jay Cutler in the middle of the season you know let him go when you have an off season to either draft or sign a a new quarterback to take over the to take over the team when he has the time instead of just handing it over to Jimmy Clausen, who was absolutely terrible against Arizona and Seattle this year so please God let's not let that happen and now one ray of hope and optimism going into the off season because so many bear fans looking forward to 2016 because of the way the things are going so far. Um, possible destination for one of the biggest free agent um, free agency pickups in the league this year: Von Miller, who played for you guessed it, John Fox in Denver. As a matter of fact, he was John Fox's very first draft choice as head coach of the Denver Broncos and, you know, had four really great years with Von Miller. He's a pro bowler. He's a pass rusher, uh, pass rushing specialist who, you know, was in a 3-4 uh, in that Denver defense, has been outstanding for them, who is still in love with John Fox and would probably see Chicago on a, at the very at the top of a very short list as far as his destinations for the future. And could you imagine? Von Miller on one side, Pernell McPhee on the other. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm drooling just thinking about it. So, you know, I did read the article uh, this week talking about how much he, he loves John Fox, how much he loved playing for him, how much, uh, you know, how much fun he had playing for him. He's a man's man, a coach's coach, you know, uh, you know a, a player's coach kind of thing. And, uh, you know, so it doesn't sound like uh, Von Miller would hate it too much to be reunited with his old head coach, in Chicago and I certainly would not hate that myself so to have a, a Von Miller McPhee combination coming off the edges brushing the passer um, that could be catastrophic for some offenses uh, in 2016 especially since the two weakest divisions in the NFL this year the NFC East and the AFC South are who we have on deck in 2016 you have those two get after those teams uh, the Bears could coast through the schedule next year so let's just knock on wood and hope that this is a uh, you know a kind of view into the crystal ball uh in free agency who the bears are going to have like 60 million in cap space going into next year definitely have enough in the purse to uh to please a guy like miller and you know entice him to come uh to chicago Uh, for 2016 and beyond that would be pretty sweet so let's hope that that happens that Ryan Pace and John Fox can convince Von Miller that Chicago is in his future so I think that's all I have uh, for news and notes uh, for for this week the injury report is cut in half there are some very important names not on the list and looking forward to seeing what our wide receiving core looks like, healthy and 100%, when we play the Vikings on Sunday. So, what do you say we go ahead and dive right into our discussion with Christopher Gates from SV Nation's Daily Norseman talking about Bears and Vikings, week number eight? <laughs> As we get ready for week number eight, going into the first matchup of the year between the, our beloved Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings, we welcome Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman on SB Nation back to the show. We had him on earlier uh, this summer to preview uh, the sh- to preview the season for the up uh, for the Vikings. And uh, Chris, welcome back to the show. And I want to thank you for getting up early. It is 5 a.m. in Germany, and you're doing this. Uh, with us tonight, so thanks so much for uh, for coming back.
2: Uh, not a problem, Larry. Happy to be here. Happy to uh, to do the show once again.
1: Well, you know, I'm I'm looking forward uh, to this game on Sunday for a few reasons. Um, number one, because I'm really anxious to see the Bears how they're going to respond after that loss to Detroit uh, before. Uh, the bye week the Vikings aside from you know that brutal first three games that we had this year are the best team that we've played since Green Bay Arizona and Seattle and I'm want to see how they're going to respond to that and I'm also looking forward to it because the Vikings haven't won in Chicago since 2007 and I'm hoping that that is a trend uh, that continues so um, my first question for you Chris is the Vikings are four and two so far uh, this year they are two losses uh, coming in the, the week one game against San Francisco, and then a few weeks later um, at Denver, a, a very close game there. But I got to ask you, week one against San Francisco, 20-3 to three loss. Pretty much they never really got started in that game. Was was that a depressing game considering all like the hype and the hope, the the Vikings being like that sexy playoff pick going into the season and to have them not show up against San Francisco the way they did week one?
2: It really is. And, you know, with all due respect to any 49ers fans that might have stumbled upon the podcast here, uh, the further we get into the season, the the worse that loss looks because oh, yeah. you know, the, the Niners have looked terrible for the most part since that week one game. I know they got another victory uh, over the last few weeks. I can't remember who they beat. But, yeah, the, the Niners have not been a good team, and the Vikings over the last couple of weeks have actually played some pretty good football for the most part. And so, yeah, I mean, we expected a whole lot more uh, for that week one game. I mean, I, I think a lot of fans expected the Vikings just kind of go into uh, San Francisco and sort of roll the 49ers. And, you know, for them to lose, not not just lose, but lose the way they did was really... Pretty disheartening, but you know they they bounce back from it fairly well after that. So, you know it's just one of those things you have to look at and chalk up to one of those sort of any given Sunday things in the National Football League because that's really sort of what happened.
1: Yeah, you know, week one. You know, I've I i do not play fantasy football because it just drives me nuts. But I'm, I've always done a, a pick'em game uh, each week and. Um, for my for my money the toughest weeks to pick and there are three there's there's week 17 because you don't know what you're going to get from anybody week 17 playoff teams arresting players who's you know trying to get that you know draft pick who's playing for free agency money that kind of thing uh, week number two and obviously week number one just because you know week number two is tough because Week num- you know What you see week one almost never translates over into week two. Somebody plays their, plays their hearts out week one and then doesn't show up uh, for week two. Um, you know, so it really was kind of surprising to see Minnesota come out and lose that game to San Francisco because I play confidence games, and I picked Minnesota to win that game, and I think I went heavy on Minnesota, like 15 points out of 16. That's how confident I was that they were going to win that game uh, against the 49ers.
2: And I'm sure you weren't alone in that boat, I mean, because, you know, like you said, the, the Niners had their offseason where, like, someone retired every two or three days, and yeah. Jim Harbaugh went to Michigan, and, you know, they, they just had all this this turmoil and chaos and turnover during the preseason, and, you know, everyone expected them to be, you know, not a great football team by any stretch, and for the most part this season, they haven't been, but they
1: have right.
2: really good in week one, and... You know, the Vikings just happened to uh to fall victim to that, unfortunately.
1: So, they they've been four and one since then. Their only loss coming to an undefeated team in the in the Denver Broncos. Uh, they played some tight games. They've swept the Lions, um, which you know, according to their record, isn't the greatest thing. You know, greatest accomplishment so far. But does do they look like a playoff team? I mean, they're they're kind of the they're the second best team in the division by default, just because Chicago and Detroit really aren't anything to get excited about right now. They're four and two just behind the, the, the Packers. Do they look like a playoff team or are they, are are they the victims of a pretty soft schedule for the most part going in?
2: Well, defensively they definitely look like a playoff team because, you know, okay. they're, they're second in the NFL in points allowed per game. I believe the figure right now is at 16.8 uh, points per game allowed over the first six games. And, you know, you, you can only play who the, the schedule makers put in front of you. I know they've gotten a couple of games against Detroit, who's not great. Uh, Kansas city's not very good. Um, San Diego for whatever reason has been much worse than projected. But, uh, you know, like, like we talked about, you know, the, the Niners are not a very good football team, but the Vikings managed to find a way to lose to them. So, you know, it, it, it's just a matter of, you know, the, that's the way the Vikings schedule has gone so far. Uh, like I said, defensively, they look like an outstanding football team, and they've had their issues on offense uh, mostly having to do with uh, not being able to convert once they get into the red zone. But, you know, if the uh, the offense started clicking in Detroit on Sunday, and if the uh, the offense can catch up to the same level as the, uh, the defense has been at, uh, This is definitely a team that's going to, at the very least, be fighting for a a playoff spot until the very end of the season.
1: So that was going to be my next question, because one of the one of the things that people were look were most looking forward to uh, with this team was was the defense. You know, was the defense as imposing on the field uh, in these first six games as they appeared to be on paper going into the season?
2: And, and they have been for the most part. I mean, they had uh, the game against Kansas City where uh, they sat Everson Griffith at the last minute. Uh, last week against Detroit, Sharif Floyd didn't play, and doesn't. it doesn't look like he's going to play for at least a couple more weeks yet. He's walking around in a uh, walking boot. But, uh, you know, they have a lot of young and exciting players on defense, guys like Anthony Barr and Harrison Smith and... Uh, Eric Kendricks, who's really gotten into the uh, swing of things since being installed as the uh, starting middle linebacker. But, yeah, now that they're in the uh, the second year of being under uh, Mike Zimmer's type of defense, they've gotten the uh, hang of what's going on. And, yeah, they've been outstanding on defense, and if they can keep that up, uh, they're going to be, at the very least, in every game this year, if not uh, winning more frequently than they lose.
1: So... How has Teddy Bridgewater looked in year number two? This is his first full season as a starter. I mean, granted, he played like, what, 13 games uh, last year, somewhere in that area. So, uh, I mean, he's played most of the year as the starter. But how has he been since the day one starter in year number two?
2: Uh, He's been fairly solid. I mean, he's completing a decent percentage of his passes. Uh, Like the rest of the Vikings, he's not converting a lot of those opportunities into touchdowns. But, you know, he... He's not making a lot of bad decisions. Uh, he's actually stood up pretty well to the uh, the offensive line uh, not being great. And, uh, yeah, if, if he could start converting some more of these opportunities into touchdowns rather than having to settle for field goals, uh, it would be significantly better for the uh, the Vikings offensively. But, you know, he, he's looked pretty good so far. Uh, for a young quarterback, he, you know, doesn't panic. He doesn't make a lot of, you know, throws that have you scratching your head and wonder what's going on uh he looked very good in the uh, the one loss to denver uh considering the lever the level that the uh, denver defense is playing at this year and you know it, as he continues to grow and mature and develop he's going to be a, a a very solid quarterback for this team going forward i believe
1: so where's the disconnect on offense when they get into the red zone because that's been the problem for the Bears, actually, is that they they are monsters from the 20 to the 20, but once they get to the 20, getting into the end zone has been, you know, an extreme difficulty uh, for them. So the issues with the Bears is, is more that for some reason they do a good job running from 20 to 20, but when they get into the red zone, all of a sudden they want to throw the ball. Is that is that similar to what's been going on with Minnesota and how they approach the red zone?
2: I, I think a lot of it has to do with offensive line issues and, you know, if- The Vikings, you know, the Bears have a guy like uh, Alshon Jeffrey who's just way bigger and way more athletic than than everybody else. When it gets into the red zone, you just kind of toss it up and see if he can catch it. The Vikings really don't have that big uh, intimidating outside threat that that can do that and get open in the uh, the red zone. They have a lot of smaller type of uh, receivers that, you know, they have guys that run decent routes and have the ability to get open, but once that field gets compressed a little bit, once you get inside the twenty yard line, a lot of that is negated. Um, for some reason, Kyle Rudolph is not as big a factor as he probably should be in these situations, and I'm not really sure what the uh, what the genesis behind that is because you know he's big, he's got a huge catch radius, but you know I think a lot of it goes back to the offensive line. And, you know, against Detroit, uh, we had Bridgewater take a couple sacks in uh, in third-down situations in the red zone, and that's obviously something you can't uh, allow to happen on a regular basis. But I think it goes back to the offensive line as far as uh, bad red zone execution is concerned more than anything.
1: So speaking of the offensive line, how is Matt, uh, Matt Khalil uh, doing? Cause, um was it was it last year that he was having the issues with his knees, or was last year the year after he had the problems with his knees? I, I forget.
2: He was having knee issues apparently in both 2013 and 2014, and okay. he had uh, some kind of procedure done on them this year. I think it has something to do with my uh, like blood platelets being replaced or something like that, or wow. something along those lines. And he said he felt better than he has in years going into this season, and you know with the uh, with the losses of John Sullivan and Phil Lodeholt and some of the issues the Vikings have had along the offensive line, uh, Khalil's actually been the one guy that, you know, people really haven't had to worry about. I mean, he's faced a lot of uh, top level pass rushes over the first few games of the season and he's held up relatively well. So, you know, he was the biggest concern along the offensive line for most folks uh, going into the season. And, you know, with the way things have gone for the offensive line this year, he's almost the one guy that you really don't have to worry about uh, among that front five so far, which has been a uh, a pleasant surprise.
1: So refresh my memory: Phil Lodeholt went down when?
2: uh he went down the second game of the preseason with a torn Achilles, uh, and the Vikings had to plug uh, rookie uh, T.J. Clemmings into the right tackle spot in his place. So. Yeah, Lodhull got to play one preseason game and you know, the, the second preseason game at TCF Bank Stadium, I think it was on the second or third play of the game, he uh he tore his Achilles and yeah, he's uh he was done for the season at that point.
1: Yeah, I I knew it was early. I just didn't know if he had actually made it into the season yet. So how has T J Clemens been, taking some rookie lumps so far?
2: He he's definitely uh having to make the adjustment. I mean, everyone conceded that he was a steal uh, for the vikings on draft day uh, but that right. came with the caveat that uh, you know he was expected as a rookie to uh, kind of sit out and at the very least caddy for phil loadholt over the uh, over his first season in the nfl and you know with the loadholt injury he got thrown into the fire pretty much immediately and he he has steadily improved over the last few weeks but you know the sort of thing you'd expect from a, a rookie that has all the physical talent, but you know he'd only been a, uh, an offensive lineman for two years. Uh, he started out at college at Pitt as a, a defensive end, actually, and they moved him to offensive tackle. So, you know, he's still learning quite a bit, but, you know, he's been, uh, he's been He's been probably a little bit better than expected so far, but you know he's still got plenty of adjustments to make and plenty of uh, plenty of growth to make.
1: So it's year two of of Mike Zimmer. Um, you know the Vikings seem to get stronger as the year went along. Last year, got off to a slow start, kind of finished strong going into into the off season. Very much what I hope to see the Bears do this year. We kind of started out weak. We were victims of a brutal schedule in the first half. And we seem to have a pretty soft schedule barring that visit to Minnesota week number 15. But we have like the last five games. I see four victories out of five uh, except for that visit to Minnesota. Um, you know, you, you finished strong going into the into the offseason. Um, how has year number two under Zimmer been? Are, like are you seeing steady improvement from the team like you were going into the end of last season?
2: I think we definitely are, and like I said, we got to keep going back to the uh, the defense as far as the biggest improvements go. Because you know that that's been Zimmer's calling card. He was a defensive coordinator uh, for numerous years in the National Football League, both in Dallas and in uh, Cincinnati. And you know the uh, the defense, uh, Zimmer has a particular way he wants his defense to work. He wants. uh yeah, he wants his cornerbacks to play a particular way. He wants the the defensive ends to do a particular thing. And you know, now that the players have gotten uh, into the scheme a little bit, uh, you know, we see guys like Captain Munerlin, who was a uh, who was kind of a disaster in 2014, and after the season, basically came out and said, you know, I, I freelanced a little bit more than I probably should have uh, last season, and you know, that's why I didn't have the year. Uh, I was expected to. And this year he's basically uh, gotten into the scheme and he's had a a bit of a renaissance this season as a result. But, you know, uh, offensively I mean, we've seen guys, we've seen Bridgewater uh, develop a little bit. And guys like uh, Stefan Diggs kind of come out of nowhere, which has been a, a pleasant surprise. But, you know, th- this team has gotten uh, better under Zimmer and you know the team is still very, very young for the most part, and so I would expect that trend uh, to continue going forward.
1: So, one of the weaknesses for the Bears um, so far this year has been special teams. Uh, more, more, more importantly, our our kicking game, uh, and to be or our return game, uh, actually, however you want to put it, our our kick defense, if you will. We gave up. Uh, two kickoff returns for touchdowns in week two and week three that was you know would have made three in a row uh against green bay but we actually managed to tackle that guy um you know it's to the point where we felt the need in week number four against oakland to pooch every kickoff to save ourselves from kicking deep and getting it run back uh on us how has minnesota been uh, on on special teams is that something we need to worry about on sunday
2: uh not as long as cordero patterson uh is of the impression
1: that
2: uh, I'll, I'll be honest i have no idea what's happened with cordero patterson um <laughs> yeah the, the his first year in the league he was that the best kick returner in the league by far uh right. he was averaging like 30 or 35 yards return and he had the two long touchdowns including uh, one against chicago at soldier field and right. you know Last year and into this season, uh, he hasn't developed as a receiver, and he's not even really very good as a kick returner anymore. And you know, we're we're everyone's just perplexed as to exactly why this has happened. I mean, uh, there was word coming out that this offseason he was working out and getting himself into shape again. And you know, as far as receiving goes, he's been passed by everyone on the uh, the depth chart he's basically the number six receiver at this point but uh, you know the, the special teams have been okay for Minnesota. Uh, Blair Walsh had a bit of a disastrous preseason but he's hit I believe his last 10 uh, field goal attempts in a row. Uh, he did manage to miss an extra point against Detroit with the new uh, 33 point or 33 yard extra point rule but uh, he has hit his last 10 field goals. He's had a couple of those that were over 50 yards. Uh, Jeff Locke has been a very good uh, punter this season after being among the worst in the league last year. Uh, so, you know, the special teams have been pretty good for Minnesota, but I don't think the uh, the kick return game is going to be as big a concern for Chicago as it probably should be, uh, given the fact that Cordero Patterson has just completely fallen off the face of the earth at this point
1: it's disappointing to see it happen that way for someone to come in so you know just come from out of nowhere they had kind of had high expectations for him coming in and his rookie year as far as being special and, and being dynamic and, and doing big things he lived up to those expectations only to as you say disappear these last uh, two seasons and uh you know it's disappointing especially with the guy being a first round pick
2: yeah and given that the Vikings gave up a lot of draft picks to move back into the first round and get him yeah uh, right. uh, yeah, in two thousand and thirteen, particularly the second half of the year, uh he was catching passes, he was taking handoffs and tosses out of the backfield and scoring touchdowns, and you know even the two thousand and fourteen season opener in St Louis, he uh had a long touchdown run, and you know after that. He's, he's basically been invisible, which is both uh, kind of distressing and kind of surprising at the same time.
1: So, was it like you know the kid just believing his own hype? Did something happen off the field? Is there an injury that that hasn't been talked about much? What do you what do you think has been going on there?
2: There hasn't been any injury that we've gotten or that we've seen any word of, and it's weird. Uh, apparently, Mike Zimmer uh, lined up. And it was kind of a running gag for the offseason for us. They had a uh, mysterious uh, veteran mentor type wide receiver that apparently Zimmer had worked with in the past that uh, was supposed to work with Cordero Patterson and Mike Zimmer arranged all this and whatever. And Patterson kind of basically blew it off and didn't work out with whoever this receiver was. And they never did say who the guy was, so nobody knows at this point. But you know, there were stories about him working with this trainer and getting into physical shape, but you know, the physical part of it, as far as I can tell, has never been the issue with Cordero Patterson. I mean, when he was at Tennessee, you know, he he had the reputation that he had all the athletic ability in the world, but you know, he wasn't refined as a route runner. He's still not refined as a route runner, and that's probably his biggest issue. And so the fact that he had an opportunity to work with uh, somebody who uh, the the head coach went out of his way to line up and be able to spend time with and work with him, and he just decided that it was in his best interest not to do that. Is really really a mystery for you know a guy who really had a lot to prove going into this season, and like I said, he's been passed on the depth chart by guys like Adam Thielen. Uh, Stephon Diggs. Uh, I, I'd say Charles Johnson, but Charles Johnson has had some injury issues as well. But uh, yeah, the the Vikings have six receivers on the uh, roster right now, and it, it's pretty clear right now that he's the number six guy.
1: Wow. Um, so, uh, so I have to ask about Adrian uh, Peterson. Um, you know, this is his, you know, his. the game against San Francisco was his first game action since well, like almost a year to the day, if I'm not mistaken, against the uh, 49ers, his first uh, game. How, how has he been so far uh, this season? I know he's shown flashes, but is he the old AP or is he showing the fact that he's going to be turning 30 soon or how's he, how's he been so far? Uh,
2: he, he had a couple of really good games against San Diego and against uh, Detroit the first time. Uh, The last two weeks, uh, I believe I read somewhere, and I'd have to sit down and do the numbers again, uh, he had a big uh, 75-yard run in the second half against Detroit on Sunday. But if you take away that 75-yard run over the last two weeks against two defenses that really are not very good, uh, he's averaging something like 1.9 yards a carry Uh, because Kansas City kept him under wraps. I believe he had 60 yards on about 23 carries against the chiefs and you know like i said you take away the big 75 yard run against detroit and i don't think he had 25 yards on the rest of his carries combined uh, i'm not sure what it is i mean he's had uh, he's had a couple of minor issues uh, i think he sat out uh, practice with like a finger injury or something like that but not the not the sort of thing that you would really expect to keep him from uh, putting up yardage or anything like that but, you know, he he's had a couple of good games. And over the last couple of weeks, he's uh, been pretty well kept under wraps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I don't know if that's more of a function of the offensive line, if the uh, opposing defenses are just loading up and focusing entirely on him and abandoning everything else. But, you know, he, he has not been good the last couple of weeks. And it's going to be uh, interesting to see if he kind of recaptures that going forward.
1: All right. So as we start to wrap things up here, uh, Chris, if, if, uh, if I'm John Fox and I'm trying to put a game plan together for this week, how do I beat the Minnesota Vikings?
2: Uh, well, you have to be pretty, pretty much turnover free uh, on offense. I think because, you know, the, the Vikings defense has not given up a lot of points. Uh, I believe they've, in six games, they've given up more than 20 points uh, one time so far. Um, so, yeah, you have to be pretty much turnover-free offensively. Uh, you need to keep the uh, Vikings' offense off the field. Um, as far as what the uh, the Bears' defense needs to do, um, obviously the Vikings are probably going to try to run the offense through Adrian Peterson just because that's the, the way they're built at this point. Right. And you know, if you can get if you can keep the Vikings kind of behind schedule, uh, keep them in second long, third and long, uh, then you can bring the uh, the extra pressure on second and third downs. And you know, with the offensive line issues this team has had, uh, that's going to be probably the best way to uh, to slow them down and keep them off the scoreboard as well.
1: So, so how is that? How the the Broncos did it? Were were they able to force turnovers against the? The Vikings, because like you, the further we get away from that 49er game, the less I want to pay credence to it. That's just being the week one fluke uh, type thing, you know. So the one game, that, the one significant game they've lost this year was at at Denver, which is a difficult place to play, no matter what. So you know, is that what the Broncos were able to do? Did did Because I know that they won the game, forcing a sack fumble on on Bridgewater at the end. But what was it from you know up until that moment that put the Broncos in front of them?
2: And that was the seventh sack of the afternoon uh, ah, for the Broncos. That, okay. So that was that was the biggest thing. They just kept uh, hammering Teddy Bridgewater. He was under siege basically uh, all afternoon. Uh, the Vikings did get two uh, big interceptions. Uh, one uh, one by Anthony Barr right before the half that he was able to return and get close enough to the end zone where the Vikings converted that uh, into a touchdown. Uh, seven of the Broncos points came on a, uh, a 72 yard run, uh, by Ronnie Hillman. So, you know, they, they fell victim to the big play in that game, but, uh, you know, defensively it had a lot more to do with, uh, with Teddy Bridgewater constantly getting hammered by the uh, Denver defense because, you know, yardage wise, he put up, I, I think he put up more yards than anybody has against Denver so far this season, uh, you know, given the uh, the secondary that Denver has, he actually had a really good game against them. But you know, with all the uh, the pressure and all the hits and whatever he took, it eventually just uh, took its toll. And like I said, that uh, that final sack of the game where Bridgewater and the Broncos recovered to seal it—that was uh, number seven on the afternoon. So, you know, guy gets sacked seven times and gets hit a bunch of other times. It's going to be harder to uh, harder to win football games.
1: Right. Right. So we got uh 10 games left in the in the season. You got two against the Bears. You have two against the Packers cuz we're done with uh with the Lions. You know, looking at the schedule, how do you see the how do you see it kind of going from here? So starting with 4 and 2, what what kind of record do you think you see for the Vikings finishing out?
2: I I think and I'm not sure how exactly they're going to do it or who they're going to beat to get there, but I think this team is somehow going to find a way to get to ten and six. And I think that ten and six is going to be uh, good enough for them to get into the uh, postseason. I mean, they're they're probably not going to catch Green Bay unless Green Bay manages to. Uh, they've got a Green Bay's got a couple of tough games the next couple of weeks at Denver and at Carolina. Right. So uh, if they should happen to stumble there a little bit, the, uh, the Vikings can get into the divisional race. But I think at this point, they're more or less playing for a wild card spot. And given the way the, the Falcons and the Panthers have played this year in the, AFC, or in the NFC South, um, there's probably one available playoff spot in the NFC at this point is going to come down to teams like Minnesota, uh, Seattle, and uh, maybe one or two two other teams but at, at this point i think the vikings are going to find a way to get to 10 and six and if they get to 10 and six i think they're going to uh to snag that second wild card spot
1: all right and um you know again chris thanks so much for doing this it's uh, 11 p.m 11 30 here uh, in the in the Midwest, it is five thirty in Germany. so I just again, thanks for because uh, I know you're're you, you're an early bird as far as work is concerned, but I appreciate you you getting up and uh, hopefully we can figure something else uh, out. maybe you'll be states are you coming stateside for the holidays? Is that gonna happen for you?
2: Uh, unfortunately, probably not, but oh. uh, the next time these the next time these two teams get together, it's gonna be kind of closer to the holiday season. Uh-huh. so uh, hopefully we can. Uh, Hopefully things will work out a little more right. <laughs> efficiently, a little more efficiently next time. And right. not, not that this is like not bad, because like you said, I was probably going to be up anyway. But right. you know, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's really not a problem. I enjoy doing the show, so you know, it, it's worth getting out of bed a little earlier for this.
1: Well, we appreciate that, and we appreciate you doing doing the show with us uh, this evening slash uh, this morning. Looking forward to the game. Uh, On Sunday, and uh, good luck to you guys. And uh, we'll talk to you before week 15.
2: All right. Well, thank you very much for having me on, Larry. I
1: appreciate it. My pleasure, Chris. Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman on SB Nation talking Bears Vikings, week number eight. (music) Now, being a natural born night owl, doing that interview for me. uh, was no skin off my teeth, but, uh, you know, again, I have to thank Chris for uh, for getting up before the sun to uh, talk about the Bears and Vikings all the way from Deutschland, where he is serving in our military uh, over in Germany. So thanks to him. Thanks to the troops. And, uh, you know, thank you uh, for listening to the show and giving me a reason to get in touch with guys like Chris uh, to be on the show uh, to entertain you and me because I'm having fun doing this stuff. Uh, This year, this is the ninth season I've done the Chicago Bears review. The first that I've brought in other people, aside from like my buddy Ryan Simmons, who's uh, joined us on the show a time or two. Um, you know, I, I like having these these conversations with uh, with fans of other teams. You know, <laughs> with uh, you know Seth Kaiser and and uh, you know Danny Kelly from Seattle and you know Jess Root and and Tex Western who we're gonna have back on the show uh, before Thanksgiving uh, to talk about the Packers again. You know Jeremy Reisner, Reisman Reisman I'm gonna get that guy's name right one of these days to have him back on the show. I mean all good people all gracious enough to join us. And um, you know to help help me entertain you and keep you coming back to the Chicago Bears review. So thanks again to Chris and, and every one of the SB Nation writers uh, who uh, who come along uh, and speak with us uh, and 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 give us their take on their on their Bears. You know the Seahawks and the Vikings and Lions and Chiefs and Redskins and and so on and so forth. So you know and I'm looking forward to doing this until i stop doing the show because this has just been too much fun meeting these different people and and building these connections uh with all these different writers across the country and you know who show a real passion for their team like we show for ours and you know especially since (laughs) it's like none of these guys are in the same market with their teams i think danny kelly is jess root is tex western is not uh seth kaiser lives in minnesota and he's the Chiefs guy. Uh, Jeremy Reisman is in L.A., you know, rooting for the Lions. Uh, obviously, Chris Gates is in Germany, um, you know, the Minnesota Viking fan. Matt Stanley, who we're going to have on the show next week to talk about the San Diego Chargers, is, is near his team. Uh, he is in Denver, Colorado, uh, rooting for the Chargers. Uh, I don't know where Joe McAtee is. We're going to have him on that week that we play the uh, play the uh, Rams uh, in St. Louis in a couple of weeks. Lori Lattimore Volkman, who we had on during the summer, the Broncos fan, lives in South Carolina. So, I mean, these are fans that – Uh, you know, did not switch allegiances because they live in different parts of the country from their team, that if anything, it makes them more passionate because they have to make the effort to watch their team play each and every week. And on top of that, to, you know, basically present themselves as experts, being bloggers and writers and podcasters uh, themselves, sharing their word for their team and, you know, getting it out to their fellow fans. Uh, as well, so it, it's nice to talk to people of similar mindsets when it comes to their favorite team uh, in the NFL. So I just really love uh, doing this stuff, and I probably said it before, but I feel stupid uh, for waiting so long uh, to do this. so but I am enjoying it. The feedback I'm getting back from you, you're enjoying it as well, therefore it's going to keep happening so but don't any help with the review shows. I think I got plenty of steam for those, and I think you guys like me better on the review shows <laughs> anyway with knee-jerk reactions and just emotional reactions all together uh, in the first place. So I think, uh, I think we found our, our, our niche. We'll, we'll, we'll coast like this, bringing people in to, to make the preview episodes a bit more exciting and uh, leave it up to Larry D on those review episodes because one way or the other you guys are going to feel me and and where I'm coming from so that is going to do it for the week 8 preview episode of the Chicago Bears review come back on Monday when we will review this game between the Bears and the Vikings hopefully our beloved can make it 8 in a row in Soldier Field against the Vikings get ready for our one and only Monday night trip against the San Diego Chargers next Monday night looking forward to that one and see how it goes down like i said we'll have matt stanley on the show next week um, from bolts from the blue on the sb nation site uh, for the chargers have him on the show for the week number nine uh, preview but until then we'll be getting ready for this game on on sunday taking on the vikings and we'll be back monday to talk all about it so until next time my name is larry b and this has been the chicago bears review